Long History, Jacques Cartier, Journey 1.3, The People of Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick and the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Hello, how are you and welcome to Long History. We're on to the third part now of Jacques Cartier's momentous explorations of the waters towards the interior of Canada in lands that would eventually become the French territories that would make up Quebec and other areas of today's Canada. So far Jacques Cartier and his crew have crossed the Atlantic from St Malo, they reached Newfoundland and sailed up the eastern coast of Newfoundland, headed into the Gulf of St Lawrence, down the coast of Newfoundland again and towards Prince Edward Island. It's quite difficult to identify the exact places mentioned in this text and there are lots of islands on this particular voyage and because it's Jacques Cartier's first time in this area he himself is unsure when he's seeing an island or a gulf or a cape but certainly in this episode he's in the Prince Edward Island area sailing up to New Brunswick and then somewhere in the Anticosti Island area heading up towards the mainland of Quebec. This is the first of three journeys covered by Long History in this series of 15 episodes in total. Don't forget there's plenty of other voyages available to explore on Long History. Many of the world's most famous explorers have been covered now. So take a look around your podcast provider or on the website longhistory.net. Now in this episode, Jacques Cartier meets a lot of the local people. So let's get going with Jacques Cartier Journey 1 Part 3 the people of Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick and the Gulf of St Lawrence. Of the bay called St Lunario and other notable bays and capes of land and of the quality and goodness of those grounds. The next day, being the 2nd of July, we discovered and had sight of land on the northern side toward us that did join unto the land above said or compassed about and we knew that it had about no number in the original document, in depth and as much athwart, and we named it St Lunario's Bay. And with our boats we went to the cape toward the north and found the shore so shallow that for the space of a league from land there was but a fathom water. On the northeast side from the said cape about seven or eight leagues there is another cape of land in the midst whereof there is a bay fashioned triangle-wise, very deep, and as far off as we could ken from it, the same lieth northeast. The said bay is compassed about with sands and shelves about ten leagues from land, and there is but two fathom water. From the said cape to the bank of the other, there is about fifteen leagues. We being across the said capes, discovered another land and cape, and as far as we could ken, it lay north and by east. All that night the weather was very ill, and great winds, so that we were constrained to bear a small sail until the next morning, being the 3rd of July, when the wind came from the west. And we sailed northward to have sight of the land that we had left on the northeast side, above the low lands, among which high and low lands there is a gulf or breach in some places about 55 fathom deep and 15 leagues in breadth. By reason of the great depth and breadth of the gulf and change of the lands, we conceived hope that we should find a passage like unto the passage of the castles. The said gulf lieth east-northeast and west-southwest. 
The ground that lieth on the south side of the said gulf is as good and easy to be manured, and full of as goodly field and meadows, as any that ever we have seen, as plain as smooth as any die. And that which lieth on the north is a country altogether hilly, full of woods, and very high and great trees of sundry sorts. Among the rest, there are as goodly cedars and fir trees as possibly can be seen, able to make masts for ships of three hundred ton. Neither did we see any place that was not full of the said trees, except two only that were full of goodly meadows, with two very fair lakes. The midst of the said bay is forty-seven degrees and half in latitude. Of the Cape d'Espérance, or the Cape of Hope, and of St. Martin's Creek, and how seven boats full of wild men coming to our boat would not retire themselves. But being terrified with our culverins which we shot at them and our lances, they fled with great haste. The cape of the said Southland was called the Cape of Hope, through the hope that there we had to find some passage. The 4th of July we went along the coast of the said land on the northerly side to find some harbour, where we entered into a creek altogether open toward the south, where there is no succour against the wind. We thought good to name it St Martin's Creek. There we stayed from the 4th of July until the 12th. While we were there, on Monday being the 6th of the month, service being done, we, with one of our boats, went to discover a cape and point of land that on the western side was about seven or eight leagues from us, to see which way it did bend. And being within half a league of it, we saw two companies of boats of wild men going from one land to the other. Their boats were in number about forty or fifty, one part of the which came to the said point, and a great number of men went on shore making a great noise, beckoning unto us that we should come on land, showing us certain skins upon pieces of wood, but because we had but one only boat, we would not go to them, but went to the other side lying in the sea. They, seeing us flee, prepared two of their boats to follow us, with which came also five more of them that were coming from the seaside all which approached near unto our boat, dancing and making many signs of joy and mirth, as it were desiring our friendship, saying in their tongue, Napeu tondamen asurta, with many other words that we understood not. But because, as we have said, we had but one boat, we would not stand to their courtesy, but made signs unto them that they should turn back, which they would not do, but with great fury came toward us, and suddenly with their boats compassed us about. And because they would not away from us by any signs that we could make, we shot off two pieces among them, which did so terrify them that they put themselves to fly toward the said point, making a great noise. And having stayed a while, they began anew, even as at the first to come to us again, and being come near our boat, we struck at them with two lances, which thing was so great a terror unto them, that with great haste they began to flee, and would no more follow us. How the said wild men coming to our ships, 
and our men going toward them, both parties went on land. And how the said wild men with great joy began to traffic with our men. The next day, part of the said wild men, with nine of their boats, came to the point and entrance of the creek, where we, with our ships, were at road. We, being advertised of their coming, went to the point where they were with our boats. But so soon as they saw us, they began to flee, making signs that they came to traffic with us, showing us such skins as they clothe themselves with all, which are of small value. We likewise made signs unto them, that we wished them no evil. And in sign thereof, two of our men ventured to go on land to them, and carry them knives, with other ironwares, and a red hat to give unto their captain. Which, when they saw, they also came on land, and brought some of their skins, and so began to deal with us, seeming to be very glad to have our ironware and other things, still dancing with many other ceremonies, as with their hands to cast sea-water on their heads. They gave us whatsoever they had, not keeping any thing, so that they were constrained to go back again naked, and made signs that the next day they would come again, and bring more skins with them. How that, we, having sent two of our men on land with wares, there came about three hundred men with great gladness, of the quality of the country, what it bringeth forth, and of the bay called Bay de Chaleur, or the Bay of Heat. Upon Thursday being the eighth of the month, because the wind was not good to go out with our ships, we set our boats in a readiness to go to discover the said bay, and that day we went twenty-five leagues within it. The next day, the wind and weather being fair, we sailed until noon, in which time we had notice of a great part of the said bay, and how that, over the low lands, there were other lands with high mountains. But seeing that there was no passage at all, we began to turn back again, taking our way along the coast. And sailing we saw certain wild men that stood upon the shore of a lake, that is among the low grounds, who were making fires and smokes. We went thither, and found that there was a channel of the sea that did enter into the lake. And setting our boats at one of the banks of the channel, the wild men with one of their boats came unto us, and brought up pieces of seals ready sodden, putting them upon pieces of wood. Then, retiring themselves, they would make signs unto us, that they did give them us. We sent two men unto them with hatchets, knives, beads, and other such like ware, whereat they were very glad. And by and by in clusters they came to the shore where we were, with their boats, bringing with them skins and other such things as they had, to have of our wares. They were more than three hundred men, women, and children. Some of the women which came not over we might see stand up to the knees in water, singing and dancing. The other that had passed the river where we were came very friendly to us, rubbing our arms with their own hands. Then they would lift them up toward heaven, showing many signs of gladness. And in such wise were we assured one of another, that we very familiarly began to traffic for whatsoever they had, till they had nothing but their naked bodies. 
for they gave us all whatsoever they had, and that was but of small value. We perceived that this people might be very easily converted to our religion. They go from place to place. They live only with fishing. They have an ordinary time to fish for their provision. The country is hotter than the country of Spain, and the fairest that can possibly be found, altogether smooth and level. There is no place, be it never so little, but it hath some trees, yea, albeit it be sandy, or else is full of wild corn, that hath an ear like unto rear. The corn is like oats, and small peas and as thick as if they had been sown and ploughed. White and red gooseberries, strawberries, blackberries, white and red roses, with many other flowers of very sweet and pleasant smell. There be also many goodly meadows full of grass, and lakes, wherein great plenty of salmons be. They call a hatchet in their tongue kochi, and a knife bakon. We named it the Bay of Heat. Of another nation of wild men, of their manners, living and clothing. Being certified that there was no passage through the said bay, we hoist sail, and went from St Martin's Creek upon Sunday, being the 12th of July, to go and discover further beyond the said bay, and went along the sea coast eastward about 18 leagues, till we came to the Cape of Prato where we found the tide very great, but shallow ground, and the sea stormy, so that we were constrained to draw towards shore, between the said cape and an island lying eastward about a league from the said cape, where we cast anchor for that night. The next morning we hoist sail to trend the said coast about, which lieth north-north-east, but there rose such a stormy and raging wind against us that we were constrained to come to the place again from whence we were come. There did we stay all that day, till the next that we hoist up sail, and came to the midst of a river five or six leagues from the said Cape of Prato northward, and being overthwart the said river, there arose again a contrary wind, with great fog and storms so that we were constrained upon Tuesday being the 14th of the month to enter into the river, and there did we stay till the 16th of the month, looking for fair weather to come out of it. On which day being Thursday, the wind became so raging that one of our ships lost an anchor, and we were constrained to go up higher into the river seven or eight leagues, into a good harbour and ground that we with our boats found out and through the evil weather, tempest and darkness that was, we stayed in the said harbour till the five and twentieth of the month, not being able to put out. In the meantime we saw a great multitude of wild men that were fishing for mackerels, whereof there is great store. Their boats were about forty, and the persons what with men, women and children two hundred, which, after they had hunted our company a while, they came very familiarly with their boats to the sides of our ships. We gave them knives, combs, beads of glass and other trifles of small value, for which they made many signs of gladness, lifting their hands up to heaven, dancing and singing in their boats. 
these men may very well and truly be called wild, because there is no poorer people in the world. For I think all that they had together, besides their boats and nets, was not worth five sous. They go altogether naked, saving their privates, which are covered with a little skin, and certain old skins that they cast upon them. Neither in nature nor in language do they any whit agree with them which we found first. Their heads be altogether shaven, except one bush of hair which they suffer to grow upon the top of their crown, as long as a horse-tail, and then with certain leather strings bind it in a knot upon their heads. They have no other dwelling but their boats, which they turn upside down, and under them they lay themselves all along upon the bare ground. They eat their flesh almost raw, save only that they heat it a little upon embers of coals. So do they eat their fish. There are fifteen parts in total to this series about Jacques Cartier, but within those fifteen episodes there are three journeys. This is the first, and there are four parts in total to this journey, so we're already three quarters of the way in at the end of this episode, just one more to go. So we see Jacques Cartier's first impressions of the people he meets in this area. We also see his aims for going there. He thinks in terms of the value of things, the products that are available, the potential for converting these people to Christianity. He emphasises the savagery of the people, their near wildness, all the while setting up a sort of narrative that implies that these people need help from the Europeans. All this, of course, is only from the French point of view, though. So there's always an intriguing question there as to what these people thought of the French. Why were they so friendly with the French? Especially when this friendliness is at first treated very much with caution from the French. And we can see the Europeans' attitude here. This immediate dismissal of these people as savages is not unique amongst the French. In the next episode, Jacques Cartier continues his voyage around the Gulf of St. Lawrence, and then heads back to finish this first voyage, full of ideas, and full of a desire to explore this area in more depth. Thank you for listening to Long History's Jacques Cartier, Journey 1, Part 3. The people of Prince Edward Island, New Brunswick, and the Gulf of St. Lawrence. Goodbye.